Greetings, podcast listeners, and welcome to episode 29 of Think Relevance, the podcast. Today we have on the show for you Lake Denman, who's a pretty interesting guy. Um, got some really creative projects that we got a chance to talk about, including one that the very kind of towards the end that I thought was just awesome. Um, so anyway, you'll hear about that. Uh, before we start the show, I want to mention again, uh, as usual, a few places where you can find Relevancers this month, April 2013. I'm hoping to post this episode before the 23rd, uh, that on the 23rd you will find me um, and uh, speaking at, uh, at the, I'm not speaking, but Bobby Calderwood is speaking and I will be attending the Closure DC meetup group. Uh, Bobby's going to be talking about Pedestal, so if you've been curious about Pedestal and you want to hear a little bit more about it, get a little bit of a walkthrough, uh, get the skinny, get a chance to talk to Bobby and to me um, and anyone else there that's, that's got a little knowledge of it, come on down. I think there's going to be some hacking and it's going to be very beginner friendly, so if you're in the DC area, check that out. Um, on Thursday, the 25th, there's the Triangle Closure Meetup Group, um, where Ryan Newfeld will be doing some pedestal Q&A, um, and there will be a bunch of relevancers there, including uh, Chris Redinger, Damian Mack. I think I'm actually going to be there. I'm going to go down to, to uh, Durham, so, um, you know, if you're some sort of, uh, you know, relevance groupie, you can do a little road trip and, and follow me around. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> anyway, um... Also, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, at Converge Southeast, you will find Ben Vangrift, our guest on the last episode. So, very cool. Um, and then in Portland, Oregon, uh, April 29th uh, through May 2nd, there's RailsConf. Uh, and, of course, we've got, speaking there, we've got uh, Yoko Harada, who will be talking about um, using Datomic from Ruby and in Rails, which is cool stuff. Um, as you know, Yoko knows her Rails business like nobody else. Um, and she's been putting a lot of work into making Rails play nicely with the Atomic, so I'm sure that'll be really interesting. Um, in addition to Yoko, who's speaking, we've also got Jamie Kite and Lake Denman, two other guests that you've heard them before. If you listen to the show, they will be attending. So lots of opportunity to say hi to uh, relevance people in the next couple weeks. Um, I think that covers it, so we'll go on to the show with Lake. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Welcome to Think Relevance, the podcast on today, Friday, January 25th and 2013. Our guest on the show today is Lake Denman. Welcome, Lake. Thank you. I'm glad you could come on. Uh, it was actually Michael uh, Parento who suggested that I have you on because uh, you've worked on a bunch of cool stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we should totally have Lake on. I think that'd be fun. Um, it sounds like uh, you mentioned that before the show that you've, you've listened to a couple of these. So... Uh, you know that we're playing music on the way in here and that you picked it. Uh, what did? What are we going to play? All right, so the intro song is a um, classic kind of rock song, uh, Chair of Rock by the Smashing Pumpkins. All right, cool. Good. Are you a big Smashing Pumpkins fan? Um, not a huge fan. I mean, I, I don't know everything that they've come out with, but uh, there's definitely a few really good ones. 
um, I remember seeing a bunch of their music videos on this DVD that my brother gave me, and uh, that was like probably when I was about 12, and I was just so psyched on it. So that's just one of the good classic ones that always gives me a, a really good feeling when I listen to it. Cool. And you, you play an instrument, yeah? Yeah, I play a couple. Um, I kind of noodle around on the keyboard. Uh, I've got a pretty nice synthesizer that I like to play with. Uh, got a few guitars behind me. Uh, got a bass back there, which I know you play too. So. Uh, well, not very well, but I do. Yeah, that's how it is for me too. So, it's I do a lot of uh, just a lot of playing around, and I just like it's a good creative outlet. Yeah, I, I don't know if you found the same thing, but it seems to me like there are a lot of uh, programmers who are uh, also musicians. I'm not sure what the link there is. I mean, we could probably speculate. I think I. I think Rich and I made the same observation, but uh, maybe one of these days we'll have to do a show on why that is. That would be cool. Yeah, I've definitely seen that pattern. So, uh, so Lake, I wonder um, if you could introduce yourself a bit to the listeners out there. I mean, obviously you work at Relevance, but I wonder if you could tell people about yourself a little bit. Sure. Um, I've been with Relevance for about a year. Um, I've been a developer uh, for five years. Uh, before I was with Relevance, I was living in uh, Southern Virginia, working for a boutique web development shop. Uh, and they started there as basically consultants and um, ended up building a product there. And before that, I was doing a little bit of contract work here and there. And I was working in Charlotte, where I currently live. Um, working with a company building a social network, as uh, many companies build. Uh, and that, that was my first uh, Ruby on Rails project. And really, I've been developing Ruby on Rails apps for quite a while now. Uh, and before that, I was just kind of going through school and wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. And I some, somehow ended up as developer and it really interested me and uh, that's kind of what I've been doing ever since high school. So how did you get linked up with Relevance? Actually I started, uh, I had heard about Relevance just through different channels, uh, Twitter probably about um, four years ago now and actually I know what it was. I was kind of a uh, following Corey Haynes uh, on Twitter, and he had mentioned some things about relevance, and I noticed that he was going to be in Durham, and I really wanted to meet this guy. Um, so I sent him an email and kind of got a schedule of what it, where he was going to be, and it was relevance, so I thought that was a pretty cool opportunity uh, to come up. So I drove up and uh, just hung out there, um, and that was when we were in the old building. Um, on Mangum Street, right? Yeah, Rogers Alley. Yep. So uh, that was my first experience with Relevance, and I just walked in, and uh, it was after hours, and uh, but there were still people there programming and hanging out, and like I look over and I see Corey Haynes, and then I look over on the other side, and like David Shlensky is there. I was like, all right, this is this is a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> it was all like wide open and and really nice looking and. Uh, books everywhere and screens everywhere. I had only really 
worked on in one or two like uh, two man shops basically like really small shops so seeing like all these developers was really exciting really inspirational and then um, and then I kind of like like at that point I was just figuring some things out and I was actually pretty intimidated by um, by relevance I didn't think that I was necessarily had had the chops to work here so um, a couple years later when I was in Virginia at the at entryway which was the boutique shop that I mentioned um, we were contracted out to work on a relevance project and I kind of was reunited and um, started basically working on some relevance projects and um, soon after that maybe a year later I decided to move back down to Charlotte and look for other job opportunities and relevance just got right on the radar and now I am uh, a team member so yeah it's uh, awesome it's great yeah. yeah I mean and, and you and I have not really had a chance to work together on a project we did work together uh, very recently um, in kind of a, what I think is kind of an interesting way I think not everybody out there has maybe done this so what I'm talking about is um, I worked on a project for a client and you know we did a bunch of work and then the project shipped and it was successful uh, and the client was happy they wanted us to do some more work um, but I was already dedicated to another project and we we try not to move people around for the obvious reasons more than we have to and so um, you were brought in to to do some additional work on that and and I think one of the hardest things that happens to a consultant um, is that you have to be able to parachute into a project and pick up, you know, a big pile of code that somebody else wrote. And, you know, I, I mean, I hopefully was somewhat helpful to you in answering questions, but still, it's not like I was going to spend eight hours a day going over the code with you. So you're still essentially on your own figuring it out. I, I wonder if you can speak to how you addressed how you address the challenges there, how you approach the problem, what the, the hard parts were, what worked well. Okay. Um, it usually doesn't feel that great to just be thrown, like just to get thrown into the deep end. Um, and there's, for me, there was, um, and tends to be this like moment of almost panic of like, wait, like, how am I going to do this? I don't know anything about this. Um, but I just had to kind of step back for a second and, and understand that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, don't be afraid of, of something that's new or something that you don't know about. That just shows that it's a good time to, um, to learn something new and, and to um, gain some more skills. So it was really helpful to have Obviously, uh, you and uh, Bobby was helping out with that project, um, and you guys just provided really, really good insight into um, kind of the background and and helping me understand. So that was uh, really needed, and the problem really wasn't wasn't too difficult once I kind of wrapped my head around like why uh, that code was there and what needed to change. Um, So yeah, it's just mainly like I, sh I shouldn't have been felt like afraid at all or um, I, and I really try to see that um, in new situations and new scenarios where you might feel or I might feel like nervous or, or scared. 
to just embrace that feeling and, and just try to do your best no matter what. Um, even if that means like reaching out and calling for help, uh, you know, many times if you need it, however much you need. And it actually turned out to be a successful release and everything went really well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't know, maybe, are there any other questions? Oh, no, no, that makes total sense. And I, and I, you know, I've been a consultant for a fairly long time, uh, I guess 15, 14, 15 years now. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I think it's great what you say about um, kind of embracing the, the panic, because I still feel that way when I come to a project, and particularly when I come to a project that's already in the middle, where I'm like, I, it's just this feeling of, oh, gosh, you know, how am I ever going to absorb all this, right? And it's the old, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, I guess, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely focusing on uh, just small, important aspects of, of the issue. And, um, and yeah, calling out, reaching out for help. And that's what's really awesome about having a, a team like Relevance. Um, if you're just working with one or two other developers, um, and that's it. It kind of becomes harder to to get that knowledge sharing and um, to to continue to grow if everybody kind of plateaus. Um, we have a bunch of different people at Relevance with different levels of knowledge and and skills, and it feels like you can just learn uh, so much from from everyone. Absolutely, uh, and in fact, <laughs> that is in in an oblique way a uh, segue into. Uh, one of the things that I'm just really anxious to talk to you about because it's just so cool. And, and it's, it was actually mentioned on the podcast before when we did the episode with Justin recently. Uh, your name came up. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, we've got Lake. He was presenting at uh, the quarterly meeting that we have, which is kind of more like a mini conference. Uh, we call it Ink Relevance. And you talked about some work that you had done with an Arduino to make a device and this is totally, when I saw this, I was like, this is so cool and simultaneously kind of crazy. It's like a, like an eye shade that you wear, and it's hooked up to an Arduino that somehow blinks and induces or helps induce lucid dreaming. I don't know, maybe you should describe it. I'm probably not doing it justice. No, I mean, that's basically it. Um, and I had this idea, but I wasn't the first one to have it I ended up doing some some googling about and there was somebody who already had like made some some kind of thing that's similar to it but it's basically um, an LED light that that blinks inside of a, a mask one of those uh, eye masks that you wear to help you go to sleep and apparently um, if it blinks at a certain time when you're sleeping in a certain sleep cycle um, it will. The the goal is that you can see the light flashing kind of in your dream, kind of like when you hear a sound and it's a kind of it's like in the morning before you wake up and you hear your alarm, but it's in your dream. It's supposed to be some kind of a trigger like that where you might see a light in your dream and you kind of realize, oh, that's oh, I'm dreaming. Like, okay, let's go do some stuff. And um, I don't know if, if you've ever had a lucid dream before. Um, but I've only had once or uh, like once or twice, so I can't say that the device really worked out for me. I'm a pretty deep sleeper, but I thought it was a pretty cool idea as a simple project for an Arduino. Um, 
that was the first project that I had done. And uh, it, it taught me a few things. Um, one was how to uh, interface with a computer um, through the serial port. So I actually had a Ruby program running that was keeping track of the time. Um, so it, I basically would say I would set a timer on it in however many minutes for the light to start blinking. So Ruby had to communicate uh, with the Arduino and then also had to set up wiring for the LED lights, uh, which isn't really too hard, but, um, but the whole project was pretty interesting. I definitely learned some. And, and just in case anybody that's listening doesn't know, an Arduino is basically a little computer on a chip. You can buy a kit and then you can talk to it with like a, a laptop or something to program it to do stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, it's basically a microcontroller. It's, um, it's pretty small. It's about the size of a, a little bigger than a credit card. Um, but it's, it's pretty interesting. There's just tons of things that, that uh, you can build with it. There's this actually a pretty cool uh, document. It's a it's a comic that explains Arduino, uh, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, cool! Yeah, great. How did you? So how did you get interested? So uh, I got this is an interesting question. So I mean, I love I love that you ran this experiment on yourself. I really love it. I wish I wish that it, you know, you had uh, it said, oh yeah, and I totally can control my dreams now. But it's still awesome, even though it wasn't a success in that perspective. So was it the Arduino, like you wanted to work with Arduino and, and therefore you got interested in, in lucid dreaming or you were interested in lucid dreaming and you started to think about how you could run this experiment and that brought you to Arduino? What was the prog progression? Yeah, um, yeah, they were totally kind of like separate interests. Um, I've been uh, interested in lucid dreaming for a while now. Actually, I saw this movie that kind of got me interested in it called Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise, um, which was a pretty cool movie, uh, but it kind of opened my eyes to that idea. So um, that has kind of been an interest for a while, and I've tried to like keep a, some kind of a dream journal and things like that, but I, I basically always give up on, on that kind of stuff. I'm just like, whatever, it's not really that big of a deal. So um, then I kind of got interested in, Ar in Arduino. I don't really know how. I don't know what kind of like tipped me off, but I was like, I just ordered one one day uh, with this kit, and it came with all these LEDs and wires. So it's like, all right, well, I'll make a little blinker application because that's like the hello world of Arduino. Right. And, um, and then I was just like, well, what can I really do that's like kind of useful or something more than just a blinking light? And then I was like, well, maybe I'll see if I can use this blinking light and realize it in a dream. I don't know. So <laughs> that's just kind of like where it started off. And then I found someone else who had like done something similar. So I wanted to learn more about it. And uh, it was just kind of a, just some kind of a experiment, really. I mean... They were totally two separate events until I, until I thought of an idea for the Arduino. So, did you use any Friday time to work on that project? Uh, I didn't. I think I used all that. Um, uh, usually after, after hours. Um, I did use some of my Friday time for another Arduino project. Oh, let's hear about that. So, I was going to buy. I started running 
Um, and I was going to buy one of the, um, I think they're called like Garmin or there's these watches that have GPS built into them. Yes, I have one and I love it. Cool. You'll have to, you'll have to uh, show me one. Sure. Um, but I'm, yeah, I, I was like, well, I'm not going to go and spend like however much money on one of these watches. I'll just build one with my Arduino. <laughs> So I love that. For I guess got to stop you there because that is just typical relevancer, like typical engineer, really. Oh yeah, I could I could drop a hundred bucks on this watch, or I could spend like five weekends building one, and that would that's clearly the better solution. I that's I mean I'm totally the same way. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Like it's kind of fun not going and like buying something just because it exists, but like trying to create something even if it's not the most useful thing um mm-hmm. but yeah this one actually came out pretty good i'm holding it right now and um it has it has uh two shields on it so basically these arduinos are uh built in such a way that you can stack on shields which basically provides some kind of functionality so this one has um the base arduino and stacked on top of it is a um this is an sd card reader so I needed something to write, um, to write the GPS information to. That's what the that stack is for. And then on the top of, in the next part of the stack, there's a GPS module. So you can power these Arduinos by uh, just nine volt batteries. So basically, you just plug up the battery, and then obviously you have to have some programming on the on the Arduino that talks with the GPS and then talks with the SD card. Basically, it's just whenever GPS gets a signal, it logs that signal uh, every second to the SD card with a it's a CSV file that just logs the time and then the long like the uh, long and lat. So you just start it when you go outside to go run. And hopefully the GPS will grab onto a satellite, which it really it usually does. Um, and then once you get back in, you just turn it off, pull out the mini SD card, plug it into your computer, and then um, you can actually run that through Google Maps application or Google Earth, and it will show you where you just ran. Yeah, that's very cool. Have you done so? <laughs> I got a bunch of questions about that. Um, so which side to talk about because because I'm interested in both um, how how you program the system and then how you work with the data afterwards so maybe we'll start chronologically so what do you when you write code if they are doing are you writing it in C or in what do you use so there's actually this IDE that uh, comes with that you can download for the Arduino and um, I think what what it is is I could be wrong I think it's um, it uses some kind of a uh, higher level language than like C. It it is like it's C like, but um, I don't I forget off the top of my head like what it, what it's actually called. But it's like really similar to like Java and and kind of like C too. Um, uh, but there's all sorts of libraries that come with the Arduino code that you can just pull in. So. Um, the GPS libraries and the SD card libraries are basically provided, and all you do is kind of include it, um, and then you can start using it. And there's basically two methods uh, 
there's a setup uh, method and then there's a loop method. So all your setup code goes in the setup and then the loop basically runs your program. Um, and every time you turn on the Arduino, that code just runs. Hmm. So um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And you can you can do it in uh, in any text editor, but it does come with the IDE comes with some nice easy features to upload quickly and, um, and to compile it. So is there like an emulator so you can debug what you're working on too, or? Actually, I haven't looked into that. I us it's usually so fast. Like the code is generally pretty small, so um, you just save it and upload it, and and it's it's pretty fast. So there's there's not really a an emulator as far as I know. Cool. And then um, on the other side, when you get this data file, you said I mean I guess you you're able to you pick the format that let you put it directly into Google Earth, which is a super cool program. Have you done any other kind of processing with the data, yeah, like uh, figuring how fast you went or anything like that? No, that's definitely some some kind of interesting things that I could do. Um, I actually haven't worked on this one for for quite a while. Um, it's just been kind of set up, and um, I haven't really went went past uh, like doing kind of any uh, analyzing of the data, really. Sure, I. I I assume that's because you have other cool projects you want to work on too. Yeah, I just like start something and then have another idea for something else and start that. So I'm not necessarily the best at, at like finishing out my ideas, but um, definitely should work on that because <laughs> <laughs> it could be cool to have like to kind of wrap this up in a nice box or something and and have it just like just work every time that I wanted to go use it, but um, I don't know, it's a little clunky. I don't know if I'd really want to go run with it. It was just kind of an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Well, I want to hear more. Uh, what else? What I mean, I don't, maybe that's maybe that's what you've done with Arduino so far. I know you've also worked with uh, Raspberry Pi, which, again, I'm not sure whether people know. I, I believe that's more like a real, uh, what we would consider a computer rather than a microcontroller. Am I right in describing it that way? Yeah, you're totally right. Um, for instance, my Raspberry Pi has um, like Debian on it, so you can put you can put uh, operating systems that will run on the ARM processor. Um, yeah, so it's like the Raspberry Pi that I have is pretty interesting. Um, first of all, it's really small, which is cool. Um, it's about it's about the same size as the Arduino, about the size of a credit card. It comes with USB ports, Ethernet port, um, HDMI out, which is awesome. It actually has sound that goes through the HDMI also. Hmm. Um, have you ever checked one out? No, I mean, I've heard you and Russ Olson talking about yours, and, and, and I, get, I, I mean, Russ's comment was especially interesting to me. He said that, I forget exactly what he said, but he said something like he hadn't been this excited about a piece of technology since, since like, he got an acoustically coupled modem back in the 70s or whatever. It was, it was a really grand statement about how cool they are. They are cool. They're just really, really cool because they're so small. And um, I just have, like, more ideas that I could do with something uh, at that size. So what I'm doing right now with mine is basically I'm building this table uh, that I bought from Ikea. And I just cut out the top of the table and I put a display 
24 inch display inside of it and then had glass cut to that dimension and it's placed over it. Um, actually, it's basically just an arcade table. So that's that's the that's what I'm working on. And it's not going to be super fancy with like buttons uh, and a joystick kind of like those ones you see in like Pizza Hut or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like 15 years ago. But um, it's going to be more like a Super Nintendo um, gaming system with uh, I just picked up these classic uh, SNES controllers that are USB. So they're, you know, they like, they look like the old style ones. Sure. Um, not totally the same, but it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I already have the software on the system and um, I've been playing Super Mario World um, like crazy. So. <laughs> so you're, you're running some sort of emulator that someone else wrote or you're writing your own games or what, what are your, what's your, what, what are you doing? No, there's, yeah, so it's, um, there's this library called RetroPie, and basically it just provides you um, a bunch of emulators for uh, anything you'd probably really want, mostly retro gaming. Uh, I just chose Super Nintendo because that's kind of like my favorite system, so um, yeah, I basically just have a bunch of games on there uh, that I didn't download from the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> someone else did and they just gave it to me so <laughs> um no so that's that's basically it i mean that's what i'm using raspberry pi for i've also used um when i first got it i put xbmc on it which is a, a media center that runs under linux so i just plugged that up to my tv and um i was controlling it from my cell phone and um it actually supports apple airplay so i can like just push songs to it from other computer or whatever it's very cool that's very cool yeah what uh what i mean what do you have in mind you've got these devices now and it sounds like you're kind of climbing up the learning curve what's your what's your grand vision what's the big one that you're like okay someday i'm gonna do this <laughs> mm. well i like the idea of home automation i really like that idea um Ideally, like being able to use my cell phone when I'm out of the house to be able to like turn off a light if I accidentally left it on or something, or like turn off the heat because I always leave it on when I leave accidentally. Like just to be able to control different aspects of my house, even like for monitoring purposes, like how much electricity I might be using and just really... Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff interests me a lot, but I don't own a house, so it's kind of a little bit. It's it's kind of hard to to build um like automation into a place that you don't really own. Sure. Because I guess you have to start working with like the main electricity, and that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, there's things like X10. I, I I used to play around with X10 a little bit myself. And that runs over the the house wiring, and as as long as you know you're not like in an apartment building where everyone around you is using a unit as well, you can actually do that without having to retrofit everything. I mean, obviously, if you want to get into you know things like thermostats, uh, that gets more involved. But uh, just for controlling lights and even doing some simple you know monitoring, um, even to things like motion sensors, I think that's the sort of thing you could totally do. 
Yeah, I actually just picked up a little motion sensor for the Arduino, so I've been itching to, to start playing around with that. I just haven't quite got the time yet for that. Cool. So stuff like that would be cool. Like me walking into the living room and then just the light turns on and turns off from like the kitchen where I just was. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could do something like that, that would be really cool because it's just kind of impressive. Like, no. You have friends over here, like, yeah, that's just my, my uh, automated motion detector like don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> that's great i totally look forward to uh maybe i'll get an invite to your place someday and i'll walk in and the the drapes <laughs> will open and the lights will come up and i don't know welcome craig yeah exactly <laughs> smashing pumpkin starts playing on the stereo and yeah <laughs> yeah although yeah anyway i think i probably just dated myself by saying the word stereo but anyway um yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So I, I don't know what else. Like, what what are I mean? So that's all the Arduino and Raspberry Pi stuff. But uh, you know, one thing I found about uh, people at Relevance is they've always got you know 15 irons in the fire. Um, what else is going on for you? I mean, uh, are you learning any interesting tech that doesn't involve <laughs> like little computers that run on credit card sized chips, or what's 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 up? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, gaining interest in closure. Like I said, I've been using uh, Ruby and Rails for quite a while now. Um, and that doesn't mean I haven't like, checked out other languages or, or tried out different things, but I'm really focusing uh, more on Clojure these days. Um, I haven't done anything you know, super, super crazy with it, um, but that's definitely a language that's really interesting to me um, and kind of gives me that excitement that I had when I first started with Ruby, how, um, you know, learning things new can be very exciting and almost like an adrenaline rush where uh, you kind of want to go and, and do more, uh, take a step away, and then you want to go back and, and do more. So that's kind of where I'm at with closure right now. Um, also, trying to work on this uh, library for um, integrating PhoneGap for mobile development with um, with ClojureScript and um, being able to basically generate PhoneGap applications for the Android and for iOS from um, from Lean Engine or Linegan, however you want to pronounce that. Well, I usually say Linegan, yeah, but there's a lot of confusion around that pronunciation of that particular tool. Yeah, it always slips out wrong somehow, but um, but yeah, someone is. Someone kind of started this project, and it's a little bit outdated. So I've I've been uh, starting to pick up on that, and um, I'll probably just fork it and start um, start up upgrading it, and then adding compatibility for iOS stuff. Um, so it basically, just generates out the proper project uh, structure for a PhoneGap application. That's yeah, that's kind of what I've been looking at. So that would be a, a Linegan template that you would run. And when you're done, you would have something where you could write closure script, and then it would be all set to get built into a PhoneGap application. Is that what you're? Is that the goal? Is that correct? Yeah, it's basically that. It it would generate a proper directory structure for like iOS or Android, because even though it it can uh, it uses the same um, template files, the the directory structure is a little different. So. It would generate the the differences there, but then um, all the JavaScript that you need to write f 
for phone gap would be in closure script and then there would just be a command to to compile it into javascript that's awesome i've i, I could have used that <laughs> i've done a couple a uh, couple really minor experiment type stuff with uh, phone gap and uh you know, while you certainly can say, okay, well, here's where the JavaScript goes. Let me compile my closure script and then pick it up and drop it where the phone gap uh, JavaScript would go. What you're talking about is much better integration with the, the way I work as a closure programmer. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's, like I said, I haven't done too much with closure um, in the way of serious projects. And I feel like that could give me a, a little bit more of a step up. Uh, so I, I got to stop you there because... Um, it, it's funny, right? Like, because I've worked with you um, a little bit on the, the project that we talked about earlier was a closure project. And right. so like, you know, you came to me with questions and I answered them and or talked with you about stuff. So I, I feel like I have a decent idea of where you're at as a closure programmer. And, and I think, I think it's, I think you might be selling yourself a little bit short. And, and, and this happens easily at relevance because you know, I mean, closure core works here, right? So you can throw a rock and hit Stuart Sierra and, you know, Rich is in town, he's hanging out with us, or, you know, Luke, you know, pick an author, Stu. I mean, obviously, Stuart Holloway. So <laughs> I hear you say that, and, and you know, if you rel if you measure yourself relative to the people around you, then, okay, you know, there's some pretty big company, but but I think you... Uh, I think you definitely uh, you definitely know your way around around a closure project, so yeah, don't sell yourself too short there. Yeah, I'm definitely not scared of it, um, but there's definitely always more to learn. So. For sure. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm really psyched right now. I'm on a project where I'm working with um, with Stuart Sierra, who obviously is you know very you know you can't you can't rank people in a in a straight numbered order in terms of things like ability with a language, but obviously he's very skilled. So that's been super exciting to me to, to, to do that. So that's always fun. Yeah, definitely. The training that I went to, uh, he, he was, the uh, one of the main guys there. So he was, uh, him and, and Luke actually, that was really cool to get taught by them. They yeah. really know their stuff. They do. They do. They have their new book out. The closure script book is out and yeah. they will be doing the, uh, Closure script training, our class that we're doing on Closure Script right before Closure West, so that's pretty cool too. And you're going to Closure West. Yeah, a bunch of us are going. It's yes. Fun time. Yeah, I think there might be as many as nine of us there. Yeah, I think so. I think that's about right. Yep. Cool. We're totally looking forward to that. And of course, uh, people will have gathered by now if they've been listening to the podcast that we've got something kind of big that we're going to be announcing. Uh, people have heard the word pedestal, so we'll be talking more about that in future episodes, but um, that's uh, we're all going to be psyched when that uh, is out in public and we can share with people what we've been doing on that. Yeah, I'll be happy to be at Closure West for that. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right, man, this has been... Uh, so what, what else? I mean, I, I think uh, we definitely talked about some of the stuff I want to talk about, Arduino and Raspberry Pi. I mean, just... <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing to hearing your presentation at the next Ink Relevance, which is coming up in about a month from uh, this recording. So uh, be be fun to hear what you talk about there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't I have a few ideas, uh, but nothing settled on. I usually kind of wait till the pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, kind of, that's how I roll. So. Nothing like a deadline. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, is there anything else we should talk about before we uh, before we wind it down here? Um, I don't know, man. I don't think so. I think 
talked about all the projects. Oh, maybe I should talk about, um, let me pull this out. This is the, I've got a robotic minion starter kit. Um, a what now? Yeah. This is an Arduino that uh, Mark gave me. Um, and it's in a really cool box. There's actually a Kickstarter for it, and I'm going to put that in the show notes too. But apparently this this has a bunch of, um, this is an Arduino in a really nice box uh, made by David Andrews and Dustin Andrews, their brothers. <clears throat> and it comes with different functions on it. There's um, an LCD display, uh, sorry, LED display, and it can do a bunch of stuff that I haven't used yet with it, <laughs> but I'm really excited about using it. Um, I just, like I said, I've been a little bit busy, so um, I did want to drop that link in the show notes. Sure. So, so what is this thing? It's, it, I mean, it, a robotic minion starter kit. So I, yeah. It, let me, let me get a little more information on it, um, because it's it's worth talking about since this is kind of all about. Uh, Arduino. I'm, I'm picturing something that rolls around the room like a Roomba, only instead of vacuuming the floor, it makes you a martini and brings it over on a tray. No, it's it's not that uh, advanced. That would be great. Um, let's see. This, um, I'm looking for, okay, it says, it helps you make cool stuff faster. It provides you um, a single board solution with LCD. Uh, rotary, let's see, rotary encoder, so like this volume knob basically, mm. uh, power regulator, um, uh, it allows you to hook up devices like servo motors, LEDs, relays, um, which in turn can control things like doors, lasers, cameras, music devices, remote control. Yeah, that reminds me, man, I want to take one of those garage band drum kits mm-hmm. and, um, not GarageBand, sorry, uh, rock, <clears throat> rock Band, and cut out, like, the USB and hook that up through an Arduino and, like, send the signals through MIDI. I don't know. <laughs> I just think that would be cool. I don't know how, like, if that could work, but there's also, like, another project I want to do that's similar to that, except you basically uh, have these sensors that are, like, light detectors, and... Uh, you can kind of put those in different objects and like what I would do is put it in like sandals and um, some kind of like small like PVC pipe and make a drum kit, an invisible drum kit. Oh, wow. Okay, so, that's awesome. So like those sensors would be hooked up through USB and they would like all get routed back into the Arduino and then the Arduino has to be hooked up to the computer. But basically, like, MIDI signals are being sent out to the computer, and then you can, like, route them to different instruments in your um, workstation. Okay, I mean, I'm totally picturing you, like, sitting on a drum throne in the middle of an empty room. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's super cool. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you just have, like, your, your little, like, pipes in your hand, like drumsticks. You got your sandals on for the kicks and, like, the um, snare. and the Or not the snare, the... Um, Hi-hat. Hi-hat, yep. And then just play around. I don't know. That would be cool. That, I, okay. I will promise you right now that if, if you do that, we we will feature you on the first ever Think Relevance video cast. Like, I will add a video segment to this show just for that. 
Nice. I'll get started right away. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I think I just get the impression talking to you that if I sat here and left the mic open for another 10 seconds, you would you'd go, oh, yeah, I also thought of this other amazing thing. But uh, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go uh, because this has been awesome to talk to you. And uh, like I said, really, really looking for it was really cool to talk to you. I mean, this like I said, this show was suggested to me by Michael, who said, you know, man, you got to go talk to Lake because Lake's got some really cool ideas. And uh, obviously he was right. So I'm super glad you took the time uh, and gave me the time to come on and talk about that stuff. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, and of course, uh, it's apropos that we should end with a vision of you producing music in this amazing way, because uh, we also have some outro music to play that, that you're going to pick. So let us know what that is. Yeah, I'm going to do some same shameless self-promotion. Uh, this is actually a song that I wrote uh, and recorded. It's called Folk You. Awesome. I'm, I am totally... That's great. I, the, the, the first time... I, uh, it is the first time that anybody has suggested a song that they themselves wrote so i'm i am more than happy to uh, be playing that for everybody right now so that's that's very cool thank you all right man well thanks again for coming on i really appreciate it uh and thanks to all our listeners we will catch you next time on think relevance the podcast